0: When we sang the congregational song, I was reminded of a experience shared with me by Carlos Acey, who said that he knew a bishop in Provo named Israel Heaton, who one Sabbath morning awakened ill and said he couldn't make it to priesthood meeting. His wife then called the first counselor in the bishopric and said that Israel was home ill, and would they remember him in the opening prayer at the opening exercises of priesthood meeting. The first counselor dutifully stood that morning and announced that Bishop Israel Heaton was ill and would he who was asked to offer the invocation remember him in the prayer. But first, he said, let us sing the opening song, Israel, Israel, God is calling. He was made well. (laughs) While driving to the office one morning, I passed a dry-cleaning establishment which had a sign by the side of the front door. It read, It's the service that counts. I suppose in a highly competitive field such as the dry-cleaning business and many others, the differentiating factor which distinguishes one store from another is indeed service. The message from the small sign simply would not leave my mind. And suddenly I realized why. In actual fact, it is the service that counts, the Lord's service. All of us admire and respect that noble king of Book of Mormon fame, even King Benjamin. How respected he must have been for the people to gather in such great numbers to hear his words receive his counsel. I think it most interesting that the multitude pitched their tents round about the temple, every man having his tent, with the door thereof toward the temple, that thereby they might remain in their tents and hear the words which King Benjamin would speak to them. Even a high tower had to be erected that the people might hear his words." In the true humility of an inspired leader, King Benjamin recounted his desire to serve his people and lead them in paths of righteousness. He then declared to them, Because I said unto you that I had spent my days in your service, I do not desire to boast, for I have only been in the service of God. And behold, I tell you these things, that ye may learn wisdom, that ye may learn that when ye are in the service of your fellow beings, ye are only in the service of your God. This is the service that counts, brethren, the service to which all of us have been called, the service of the Lord Jesus Christ. As He enlists us to His cause, He invites us to draw close to Him. He speaks to you and to me, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. To all who go forth in his service he provides this assurance— I will go before your face, I will be on your right hand and upon your left hand, and my spirit shall be in your hearts, and mine angels round about to bear you up. Many assembled tonight have responsibility to provide leadership to those holding the Aaronic Priesthood. To you, I say, the finest teaching you can provide is that of a good example. Youth need fewer critics and more models to follow. All of us who are engaged in the Lord's work have the responsibility to reach out to those who are less active and bring them to the service of the Lord. Their souls are ever so precious. In that revelation referred to earlier, given to Joseph Smith the prophet, Oliver Cowdery, and David Whitmer, the Lord taught Remember, the worth of souls is great in the sight of God. For behold, the Lord your Redeemer suffered death in the flesh. Wherefore he suffered the pain of all men, that all men might repent and come unto him. And how great is his joy in the soul that repenteth. Wherefore you are called to cry repentance unto this people. And if it so be that you should labor all your days in crying repentance unto this people, and bring, save it be, one soul unto me, how great shall be your joy with him in the kingdom of my Father! And now, if your joy will be great with one soul that you have brought unto me into the kingdom of my Father, how great will be your joy if you should bring many souls Unto me. Some years ago, while attending a priesthood session of a state quarterly conference in the Monument Park West Stake, this scripture became the theme for the visitor from the General Welfare Committee, my former state president, Paul C. Child. In his accustomed style, Brother Child left the stand and began to walk down the aisle among the assembled priesthood brethren. He quoted the verse, Remember, the worth of souls is great in the sight of God. He paused. Then he asked the question, Who among you can tell me the worth of a human soul? Every man in attendance began to think of an answer in the event Brother Child called on him. I had grown up under his leadership. I knew he would never call on a high counselor or a member of a bishopric, Rather, he would select one who would least expect to be called. Sure enough, he called from a list he carried the name of an Elder's Quorum president. Thunderstruck, the brother stammered as he asked, Brother Child, would you please repeat the question? Repeat the question. He had been dozing. (laughs) The question was repeated, followed by an even longer pause. I looked at him and wondered, What are you going to say? Lord, help him! Help him! Suddenly the response came forth. The worth of a human soul is its capacity to become as God. Brother Child closed his scripture, walked back to the pulpit, and while passing me, whispered a profound reply, a profound reply. With this perspective firmly in our minds, we are prepared to serve in the great mission of bringing souls unto Him. Many of you hold the Aaronic Priesthood. You are preparing to serve as missionaries. Begin now to learn in your youth the joy of service in the cause of the Master. Following Thanksgiving, a year or so ago, I received a letter from a widow whom I had known in the stake where I served in the presidency. She had just returned from a dinner sponsored by her bishopric. Her words reflect the peace she felt and the gratitude which filled her heart. She wrote, Dear President Monson, I am living now in Bountiful. I miss the people of our old stake, but let me tell you of a wonderful experience I have had. In early November, all the widows and older people received an invitation to come to a lovely dinner. We were told not to worry about transportation, since this would be provided by the older youth of the ward. At the appointed hour, a very nice young man rang the bell and took me and another sister to the stake center. He stopped the car, and two other young men walked with us to the chapel where the young ladies took us to where we removed our wraps, then into the cultural hall, where we sat and visited for a few minutes. Then they took us to the tables where we were seated on each side by either a young woman or a young man. Then we were served a lovely Thanksgiving dinner and afterward provided a choice program. After the program, we were given our dessert, either apple or pumpkin pie. Then we left, and on the way out, we were given a plastic bag with sliced turkey and two rolls. Then the young man took us home. It was such a nice, lovely evening. Most of us shed a tear or two for the love and the respect we were shown. President Monson, when you see young people treat others like these young people did, I feel the Church is in good hands. I reflected on my association with this lovely widow, now grown old in the service of the Lord. There came to mind the words from the Epistle of James, Pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction and to keep himself unspotted from the world. I add my own commendation, God blessed the leaders, the young men and the young women, who so unselfishly brought such joy to the lonely and such peace to their souls. Through their experience, they learned the meaning of service and felt the nearness of the Lord. One of the great missionaries of pioneer times was one named Joseph Millet. Let me tell you about him. He served a mission to the Maritime Provinces of Canada when but 18 years of age. His mission was marked by discouragement, yet punctuated by faith-promoting experiences, even miraculous intervention by the Lord. This lifelong servant of the Lord, who learned on his mission and never forgot what it is like to be in need and how to give, leaves us with this final picture of himself taken from his personal journal—I'll use his own words—remembering he was a miller. One of my children came in, said that Brother Newton Hall's folks were out of bread, had none that day. I put flour in a sack to send up to Brother Hall's. Just then Brother Hall came in, says I. Brother Hall, how are you out for flour? Brother Millett, We have none. Well, Brother Hall, there's some in that sack. I've divided and was going to send it to you. Your children told mine that you were out. Brother Hall began to cry, said he had tried others, could not get any, went to the cedars and prayed to the Lord, and the Lord told him to go to Joseph Millet. Well, Brother Hall, You needn't bring this back if the Lord sent you for it. You don't owe me for it. His journal continued, You can't tell how good it made me feel to know that the Lord knew that there was such a person as Joseph Millet. Brethren, the Lord knows each of us. Do you think for a moment that he who notes the sparrows fall would not be mindful of our needs and our service? we simply cannot afford to attribute to the Son of God the same frailties which we find in ourselves. A while back, my good friend G. Marion Hinckley from Utah County, my fellow trail rider, came to the office with two grandsons who were brothers, one having served an honorable mission in Japan, the other in Scotland. Brother Hinckley said, Let me share with you a wonderful experience which came to these grandsons of mine. His buttons were almost bursting with pride. In faraway Japan, a commercial street photographer stopped one of the brothers, having taken a picture of him holding a small child. He offered the print of the picture for sale to the missionary and his companion. They explained that they were on a tight budget That they were missionaries, and they directed the photographer's attention to the nameplate which each one wore. They didn't purchase the picture. Some months later, the brother serving in Scotland was asking two missionaries why they had arrived late for a zone meeting when they told this story A most persistent street photographer from Japan, a photographer, had attempted to sell them a picture of a missionary in Japan holding a small child. They had no interest in the picture, but to avoid arriving even later at their zone meeting, they purchased it. A likely story, responded Elder Lamb, whereupon they handed him the picture. He could not believe his eyes. It was a photograph of his own brother in faraway Japan. That day in my office they presented to me that picture, and with their grandfather beaming his approval, they declared, The the Lord surely is mindful of His servants, the missionaries. As they departed my office, I thought, Yes, the Lord is mindful of His missionaries and their fathers, their mothers, their grandparents, and all who sacrifice that precious souls may be taught and provided His gospel. Now, many are not on the front line of missionary service, as Brother Ballard mentioned earlier today. In the Church callings which they fulfill, they may be in the background. Does God remember them also? Is He mindful of their needs and the yearnings of their hearts? What about those who have been in the limelight but grown old with faithful service, have been released, and have slipped into the anonymity of that vast congregation of Church members. To all such individuals, I testify that he does remember and that he does bless. Many years ago, I was assigned to divide the Modesto, California stake. The Saturday meetings have been held, the new stake presidency selected, and preparations concluded for the Activities of the Next Morning, the Sunday Session of Conference. As the Sunday Session was about to begin, there went through my mind the thought that I had been in Modesto before. But when I let my mind search back through the years for a confirmation of the thought I was thinking, suddenly I remembered. Modesto, years ago, had been a part of the San Joaquin stake which I attended. The stake president was Clifton Rooker. He lived in Modesto. I had stayed in his home during that conference. Oh, but that was many years earlier. Could my thoughts be playing tricks on me this morning? I said to the stake president and his counselors as they sat on the stand, Is this the same stake which Clifton Rooker, Once presided over, the Brethren answered, Yes, it is. He was our former president. It's been many years since I was last here, I said. Is Brother Rooker still here? Is he with us today? They responded, Oh, yes. We saw him early this morning as he came to conference. I asked, Where is he seated on this day of special historic importance when the stake will be divided? We don't know exactly, they said. The response was a good one, for the building was filled to overflowing. I stepped to the pulpit and asked, Is Clifton Rooker in the audience today? There he was, way back in the recreation hall, hardly in view of the pulpit. I felt the inspiration to say to him publicly, Brother Rooker, we have a place for you on the stand. Would you please come forward? With every eye watching, Clifton Rooker made that long walk from the rear of the building right up to the front and took his place by my side. It became my opportunity to call upon him, one of the pioneers of that stake, to bear his testimony and to tell the people whom he loved that he was the actual beneficiary of the service he had rendered, to His Heavenly Father, and to His stake members. After the session was concluded, I said, Brother Rooker, how would you like to step into the Relief Society room with me and help me set apart the two new stake presidencies of these stakes? He replied, Brother Monson, that would be a highlight for me. We proceeded to the Relief Society room, and there, there with his hands joining mine, and the hands of the outgoing state presidency, we set apart those two new state presidencies to their calling. After that, Brother Rooker and I embraced as he said goodbye and went to his home that Sunday evening. Early the next morning, after I had returned to my home, I had a telephone call from the son of Clifton Rooker. Brother Monson, he said, I'd like to tell you about my dad. He passed away this morning, but before he did so, he said that yesterday was truly the happiest day of his life. As I heard that message from Brother Rooker's son, I paused to thank God for the inspiration which came to me to invite this good man while he was yet alive and able to enjoy them to come forward and received the plaudits of the state members whom he had served. To all those who serve the Lord by serving their fellow men, and to those who are the recipients of this selfless service, the Redeemer seems to be speaking to you when he declared, When the Son of Man shall come in his glory and all the holy angels with him, then shall he sit upon the throne of his glory, And before him shall be gathered all nations, and he shall separate them one from another, as a shepherd divideth his sheep from the goats. And he shall set the sheep on his right hand, but the goats on his left. Then shall the king say unto them on his right hand, Come, ye blessed of my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was unhungered, and ye gave me meat. I was thirsty, and ye gave me drink. I was a stranger, and ye took me in. Naked, and ye clothed me. I was sick, and ye visited me. I was in prison, and ye came unto me. Then shall the righteous answer him, saying, Lord, when saw we thee and hungered and fed thee, or thirsty and gave thee drink? When saw we thee a stranger and took thee in? or naked, and clothed thee? Or when saw we thee sick, or in prison, and came unto thee? And the king shall answer and say unto them, Verily I say unto you, Inasmuch as ye have done it unto one of the least of these my brethren, ye have done it unto me. That each of us may qualify for this blessing from our Lord is my personal prayer. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen.